This is the Rabbi Patrick Podcast, episode 25. She's a Presbyterian. And we're here after a long, long, long delay, which is all Dan's fault. I would like everyone to know. Isn't it always? It's always Dan's fault. Isn't it always? But we have a special guest, and we have lots of great things going on. Um, But first, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to have a little music. We're going to have a little commentary. We're going to go in a bit more of a chill direction. Dan? Well, I don't know about chill. (laughs) Bagels, I have not tried. Installment one. The bagel at Pops on Grace, downtown in Richmond. They look good. They're round. They seem edible. I think that we just made podcasting history. <laughs> that was amazing. Well done. Thank you. Stay tuned next time. Thank you, sir. And Thank if you, you have any sir. suggestions for other bagels I could review, yeah, send an email send to, an email to rabbi, podcast, podcast at rabbipatrick.com. Yep. And uh, you can definitely suggest uh, bagels. I have a couple in my queue. Okay. So I, I'm going to definitely, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to. To reach out to you on that one. Um, it was actually really funny. I didn't know that this was happening today. And then Dan walks in with his ukulele, which you may remember the guest star ukulele from the first time that Dan came over to the house and uh, th- brandished it violently in my face as a threat oh, that, if, that if things did not go well, the ukulele was coming out. Yeah. But, they, but then, but this is where you messed with me. Things went well <laughs> and, you, and you brought it out. Yeah. That's true. I can say that'd be a little alarming. Yeah, topsy-turvy at best. At best. Um, So welcome to the Rabbi Patrick Podcast. Um, Lots of cool stuff going on. I'm going to give a couple of quick announcements, and then we're going to mostly turn this over to Dan. You know, so so Dan, uh, you know, is generally the voice of reason. He's the one who challenges me on uh, all of the ridiculous things that I have to say. Um, and often that means that I am the, the driver and he is the passenger. Uh, but I think this time we're going to do something different. And he's brought along a new friend to the podcast who uh, I met at his house, which was pretty cool. It's always nice to meet people at house parties. Always more comfortable to meet people over an adult beverage, a nice couch. Usually there's a dog involved. Uh, if, if you're in our age group, there's usually children violently running around trying to destroy <laughs> the furniture you bought when you finally got money, right? Like that age right. where you finally got money and Ikea, like Ikea was then subpar. Like that, that yeah, crucial, crucial moment and that's when your friends start having kids. You'll, you'll sit on it, but you'd rather not. <laughs> it's one step before you go sort of like, old Jewish Miami and start wrapping everything in plastic. Right. 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 So it's like the step before, <laughs> right, right, right. before that. The sweet spot. The sweet spot. But uh, children running around uh, grabbing um, tools. Yeah, grabbing tools and trying desperately to destroy furniture. And that was a lovely time. And so we have our lovely guest. Um, real quick. Uh, if you're in the I like Richmond the building, by the way. Yeah. Sorry, go I'm going to, go I'm going to really push <laughs> this. Who is this? Who yes. is this guest? 
Who is this guest? Did they get Michael Jackson? Too soon? Uh, not soon enough. Not soon enough. Okay. Okay. Um, if you're in the Richmond area and you want to come to what will arguably be the weirdest Passover Seder you have ever seen in your life, April 11th, 6.30 p.m., I bought 10 Plagues masks. Literally. They're sitting, actually, they're right over there at the end of the table. Yeah, 10 Plagues masks, um, which you can only order one set of at a time from Amazon because they are that in demand. But <laughs> wow. I decided to go on ahead and do it. So, uh, Bone Kodesh, Pesach Seder, all are welcome. $25 per adult. All proceeds go to uh, fund all of the hard work that we do. Kids are free because kids are lovely. Um, I don't have any other gigs coming up in the near future. So, if you are in California and it hasn't seceded from the union yet, uh, you are more than welcome to have me come out because as we all know people in California they love the show they love the show love the that's show. what I hear yeah. people in I California love the show who are you people and what do you want <laughs> from us you're not my mother so you must be some person who's listening to us yeah so okay someday, anyway someday we'll find out alright so let's talk about our guest so we have Caitlin Dyerly here the is it the senior minister pastor Sure, or, you could call me that. I mean, the you know, senior, senior executive. Right, yeah. but I mean, sure. I don't know. Titles, some people care about titles. Anyway, <laughs> she's here at Southminster Pres, Presbyterian here in Richmond, and uh, she's a wise person. In fact, you mentioned um, the weird Seder that you're holding. Well, I hold a very weird, held a very yeah, weird Seder last year. Yeah, I was going to say, Dan and I year. had quite an interesting Seder. Oh, really? And I cold called on Caitlin to talk about who this guy Moses was. And she really she she rose I, to the I occasion. Told the history. She yeah. went right from the beginning. That's so, awesome. So this was this was this was very interesting last year, and uh, it was one of the things maybe they planted a seed. You know, this was of course before I knew you. Yeah. Let alone, but maybe it was planting a seed that we had a a, a, a podcast guest. So in the future, so we've been talking. Patrick and I have been talking about maybe trying to try some new. We're always trying to do new formats. We try not to really repeat what we do. Um, and w one of the things we thought was let's bring in let's bring in another clergy, and uh, let's have a little a little um, panel, if you will. I guess two is kind of the minimum for the panel, unless the right? cat shows up. Right, the cat. We could ask the cat. Yeah, we could have a third. The cat. I quick, 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 uh, quick sidetrack on that. So my, I'm one of three. My brother and I and my sister. Right. So my sister is the youngest, and she would often when she would get frustrated with us, she would you know say. Well, the boys are doing this, or well, the boys get to do that. Why can't I? Making it sound like there were thousands of us, right? <laughs> when in fact there were two, which is the minimum required for plural, right? You know, that's kind of how I feel about this panel. It's a panel of two. Panel of two. But in your case, it was the patriarchy, is what she was rolling. Yeah, yeah perhaps. she was. Perhaps <laughs> so. She was making a subtle was... point as a as a four year old. It, it, <laughs> It's very possible. Early feminist. Yeah, very, yeah. Ready to go. Well, yeah very possible. Very possible. Okay. So um, I have three types of questions, essentially. Some, some more theolo theological ones. Some more ones about what's it, what's it like to be a clergy? And three, um, just, you know, these are human beings here. So these will be slightly more fun and perhaps personal and, and a little less um, boring. <laughs> okay, these seem like the three types of questions that our listeners I love it. I'm intimidated by your preparation. Yeah. Mm. From the tremendous amount of feedback that all three of them have given us so far. <laughs> we aim to please. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to start this one off in a, in a, in a I'm going to go right to the heart of things. Okay. 
The devil. The devil. The devil. Nice. Okay. Let's hear the Presbyterian perspective on the devil. Oh, well, I think uh, your good Presbyterians would avoid talking about the devil okay. as much as possible. Um, but I did, um, we did a scripture lesson not too long ago about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, right? And you have a little bit of a devil type figure in that scripture. Um, but the scripture doesn't say a lot about this kind of perception of something we call the devil. And, um, I think there's a lot more in popular imagination about what the devil is than scripture actually tells us about. So do your congregants or, or, and, or other people that you come across who find out that you're a pastor, do they know that? Or are they expecting to hear all about the devil and are surprised when you say, well, it's actually not a big part of our theology. No, I don't think they're surprised. Okay. Yeah, I think they were relieved when, when that. As I we know, I would be relieved. Sure, they were kind of like, oh, okay, you know. And I explained to them that, that the word, the Greek word in that passage just means like the, the one who tempts um, or kind of tries to lead Jesus down a different path. And that's. It's like a little less intimidating than this like mystical figure of the devil. That's... Have you noticed anything in the people who come from maybe a different background, if maybe from a more fundamentalist or evangelical or Yeah, we have they, a lot of do people. Do they get a little surprised that you kind of saw that you don't make it a big part of Maybe, maybe. You know, we have a good amount of people who grew up in um, different uh, Christian traditions. Uh, probably most commonly people who grew up in a Baptist church in the South. That's pretty common. But uh, no, they don't seem they don't they don't seem that eager to talk about the devil. Is that, does that square <laughs> up with you, or, or how does Judaism handle the devil? That's a non-issue. There is no devil. There is none. So, zero. So, none. Yeah, zero. Nothing none. to worry about? So, okay, but here's a couple of funny things. Yeah. Okay, so if you want to swear at someone in modern Hebrew, mm -hmm. you uh, if you want to tell them to go to hell, you say, Lech la Azazel. So that means go to Azazel. Uh, Azazel is the closest thing to the devil that you really have. And um, in the Yom Kippur... Um, sacrifice, you would offer uh, two sacrifices, one for Yahweh and then another for Azazel or Azazel. And so you basically would uh, have a scapegoat. And that's where the scapegoat comes from. Um, and uh, we don't know who Azazel is. There's a commentary that um, Azazel means a cliff because they would push the uh, animal off the cliff. Mm -hmm. But that is like you are really... You have to Stretching do serious it. mental gymnastics to make that what it is. The truth of the matter is Azazel was probably some sort of like demi-deity uh, or some sort of, you know, maybe it's a sort of weird Gnostic thing before Gnosticism existed. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really know. But uh, the idea of the devil made me do it or inspired by the devil, that's no. not part of the show. Um, so uh, evil... Um, the problem of evil is that if you only have one God, then you have no one to blame but that God for everything. Um, so the way the rabbis figured it out was that evil was a human issue, um, mm -hmm. that human beings are set equally between good and evil and that you can choose. And it's kind of like the cartoon with the devil and the angel on your, on your shoulder. Right. So, yeah. So that's the way that works. 
So that actually, let, let's, um, I think we're, we may have even got ahead of ourselves a little bit. Let, let, let's ask each of you to kind of place uh, uh, both Presbyterianism and progressive Judaism kind of in, in historical context, at least in, in American religion, just so people who are um, a little less familiar can, can start from that point. So I guess Caitlin, you can go Sure, first. yeah. Um, I mean, Presbyterian is what most people, a part of a group that most people would call mainline Protestant in America, um, that tends to be maybe on the more um, progressive side theologically. Um, but Presbyterian specifically comes out of the Protestant Reformation um, in Europe and is... is um, known for being um, focused on scripture interpretation and um, fairly uh, serious intellectual um, often and um, and, it was uh, John Calvin at the start of it. Yeah, correct? John Calvin sure is the the first. Yeah, he's kind of uh, uh, our. Um, first um, kind of originator of the what we call the reformed tradition um, yeah I'm I, I've read a lot of Calvin's writings I really enjoy them he has a very bad reputation but it's mostly and this happens a lot with famous teachers um, his students got a little gung-ho and went a little extreme with some of the things that he said but I think if you go back and read his stuff it's uh, pretty insightful he was a big humanist at the time so um, always been big on um, social um, justice. And so modern day Presbyterians are, are in some way, sometimes try to distance, distance themselves a little bit from him? I how? don't, but some but would. Some yeah, because he has kind of a reputation for being a big grump. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And do you notice that your students, did you have zealous students? Do I have your, students who are overzealous? Probably. That's awesome. Or, yeah. <laughs> I would love to see overzealous, overzealous Presbyterians. Presbyterian what does students? that look like? Yeah. We will have yeah. all of the potlucks. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but in terms of the American tradition, which is what you were kind of asking about, um, the spectrum of American Christianity, it would be on the more progressive um, end of things. Hence, getting back to our first question of the not a huge focus on. Yeah, um, the, there is an idea, kind of like Patrick was saying, of, of um, temptation or human beings choosing wrong, but devil is just kind of the name for that personified concept right. less than it is like an actual right thing to being. Be. Right. Yeah. You're up. All right. So the phrase, the, the concept of progressive Judaism is an umbrella term. And it really means anything that is not orthodox. So it depends on how you want to look at it. Um, the fastest way of telling the story is that for most of Jewish history, after the destruction of the temple, there was no centralized authority. And Jews were spread out all over the world. So what ends up happening is that you incubate lots of different Jewish cultures. And they sort of trade with one another uh, ideologically. But it kind of ends up that you have a basic normative Judaism that is very regionally influenced. Then, but, but then here's what happens, is that for most of Jewish history, Jews could not be citizens of whatever place they lived in. What do you in. mean normative in that context? 
so if you are a Jew and you travel from, let's see, some part of Poland to some part of, um, oh, I don't know, Germany or something like that, the Judaism that you're going to find in Poland or Germany, it's going to have different languages and it's going to have different customs, but basic ideas like the way you dress, uh, if the prayers are going to be in Hebrew or not, which they all were, they were in Hebrew and Aramaic, um, dietary laws, things like that, it's going to be pretty normal with some slight variation. So like, for example, Jews from North Africa and Jews from Eastern Europe both keep Passover, and there are Passover laws connected to that. But Jews from Eastern Europe wouldn't eat what's called kitneo, which is rice and beans and corn. Um, Sephardic Jews would. But Passover is still a thing, and it's still understood that there's certain things you don't eat during Passover. So that's what I mean by normative. Um, what happens is that Jews end up being emancipated by Napoleon, where all of a sudden Jews were allowed to be citizens of both the country that they lived in and, in a sense, citizens of the Jewish nation, to have a Jewish national identity or religious identity. And that's really what made Judaism more of a religion and less of a peoplehood. Mm -hmm. That and then coming to the United States, where there was no sense of peoplehood. You either, you were an American of literally the mosaic uh, religion. So what ends up happening is you have to have a different kind of religion in America than you can have in other places. The little sort of shtetl, the little village community religion didn't really work in America. And so the reform because. rabbis, um, because you have a different concept of uh, nation uh, in America. You are an American. So you're an American Presbyterian. You're an American Catholic. You're an American whatever. Well, now all of a sudden you can be a Jew and an American. But in a Germany Jew you couldn't be that? Um, well, for most of Jewish history, you couldn't be a citizen of wherever you were. You, oh, you, right. you had a limited amount of freedom and you were usually confined to a Jewish ghetto. Right. Uh, there were certain businesses you couldn't be involved in. Right. Matter of fact, the reason why Jews got involved in banking was because Catholics wouldn't uh, do loans that had um, interest on them. Right. And, of course, that leads to anti-Semitism because what happens when every now and then an economy crashes? Well, right. you'll blame the Jews, right, because right. they're the ones holding the money. Right. But um, So Jews are living in America and living in a secularizing Europe. And so how do you do religion now? And so the Reform rabbis were the first ones to say, okay, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to focus on we are not a nation, we are a religion, and it's less about... Um, specific ritual law, and it's more about moral law. There is a huge amount of variation in that from about the 1860s to today. Mm -hmm. So if you were to go to my community, we would probably be thought of as the farthest liberal, although I hate the word liberal, but we'll just use that word, where the farthest liberal Jewish community you probably would find, um, both in terms of ritual and in, in, in practice and things like that, full inclusion of uh, non-Jews in service, and, uh, you know, we don't keep kosher in our potlucks, or even some version of kosher is not kept, um, uh, with exception of bacon. No one's had the courage yet to bring <laughs> No one brings no, bacon, No one's had yeah. the courage to bring bacon. I've asked them not to, <laughs> just for me. I'm, it's just not yeah. But, um, yeah, so so progressive Judaism is, is focused less on... Um, the idea that there is only a single normative Judaism, but rather there are Judaisms, plural. 
Um, and so within that, you have Reconstructionist, uh, Reform, Conservative. Um, some people have made the argument that modern orthodoxy will one day be thought of as mm. progressive Judaism, um, Jewish renewal, secular humanistic Judaism. So it's everything that's in that uh, in that umbrella. Interesting. Now you think that could have been a whole other podcast right there. Yeah, probably. Anything <laughs> yeah, jump out at you? Anything <laughs> jump out at you from that? No, other than to say, as you were talking about some of that European history, after I said that I do like John Calvin, I should say he was very bad about the anti-Semitism. There's no excuse for that, but uh, it's not surprising for the time, I guess. Right. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Um, All right. Let's let's, let's switch gears a little bit. We'll come back. Um, Have either of you ever gotten anything for free while wearing your clerical gear? <laughs> oh, nice. What is your clerical gear? I don't know what people wear. So well, so I um I just wear kind of business casual. I don't wear a collar or anything. Some Presbyterians might, but probably most of us wouldn't wear a collar. What is the collar? It's that little white um, neck piece that you might associate with Catholic priests. But what is that? Like, um, what is it? Is it you push it and it opens your car door? Dude, I don't even know. I don't have one. Dan, I know the Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I am not easily identifiable as a clergy outside of, um, you know, worship on Sundays. I wear a black robe and a colorful stole, depending on the season of the church year. Right. Um, but... So have I ever but you gotten don't want, You don't wear their free? off base. So you don't wear that off base. No, so I don't. And there are definitely occasions where it's helpful. Like if you're going to visit someone in the hospital, if you have that collar, sometimes it opens doors, literally and figuratively, in public spaces. Um, but yeah, most Presbyterians don't have like a, a secret ID up. card. No. Hmm. Free parking. I ha- I do get free parking at a lot of hospitals, yeah. and I have done that from time to time. In good in good spots. Yeah, here in Richmond, we have some hospitals where you get a good spot. Um, in Indianapolis, where I used to work, most of their hospitals had parking garages where you had to pay. Uh, and clergy, if you showed uh, like some form of clergy ID, you could get free parking, which is. That's something. That's not very yeah, glamorous. Right. That's something. That's something. <laughs> something. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Patrick, what about you? Um, well, so in a funny way, it's a, it's a similar issue. So mm-hmm. if I'm in an Orthodox Jewish neighborhood, let's say, and I'm wearing a kippah, I'm wearing a yarmulke, I look just like everybody else. So right. it's not like, who right. is this guy, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't walk around sort of outside of, uh, you know, base, as you said, wearing a, a prayer shawl. Um, so that's not <clears throat> necessarily something either. I think in my case, it's coffee shops that get to know me really well. Like if I'm there so regularly yeah. and they get to know who I am, then it's like, oh yeah, we're comping this one. Nice. Like then, then yeah, then I would say that's, that happens for me. That's that like, but they, but it's because they get to know me. Now here's the secret to that. So I bring my laptop with me everywhere and I have this, st- I have two stickers on my laptop um, one that says uh, milk and honey, so it's this like Israel 
uh, bumper sticker thing. And then the other one says Punk Jews, and it has my friend Why Love rapping on it. Mm -hmm. So that sticker, Punk Jews, I think has probably gotten me a Gets few a free, free cups of coffee and, yeah, stuff like that. I want to get a bumper sticker that says, like, I'm a rabbi, sure, you can have that seat. And just like see like what just see what happens. <laughs> but our mutual our mutual friend Mike yeah. uh, does these pop up rabbi coffee shop things, so I don't want to like you know steal steal his thing. So yeah, well. I did get out of a speeding ticket once. Oh yeah, how'd that work? Yeah, <laughs> that's I was, interesting. I was on the way. It was when I was in seminary. I was on the way to preach at a small um, congregation that was outside of town. So I didn't quite know where I was going and yeah. got caught going, um, not seeing the reduced speed. And he pulled me over and I said, oh, I'm so, so, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm on my way to this church. I'm supposed to preach this morning. I'm a seminary student. And he let me go. Wow. Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, That's that something. is pretty cool. So that was nice. That's way better than coffee. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's something. Nice. Well played. Didn't you have to give him a little bit of communion? A, no, a, a he quick, believed me too. Quick, yeah. quick. Um, Small town Texas. Yeah. Man. <laughs> That's cool. Um, what, both of you, what was your best? We've, we've, heard, we've heard about good hair days, bad hair days. <laughs> what was your best, for both of you, what was your best hair year? Best hair year. For me, sixth grade. Why? Oh, man. I had this like, oh, this is great for, for, for the podcast. <laughs> but I had a, I had like this cool like center part like going down kind of curling up uh -huh. you know, oh like, man yeah, oh yeah. yeah probably my best hair year <laughs> best Ooh. hair year I'm gonna defer or, to or you could go worst if you want I had a mohawk for a while okay that's that's cool. best and worst that yeah yeah <laughs> it's best and worst I yeah I had a mohawk and um, I did it on a whim before I played a show with the band I was in I was like sitting in my garage and I was talking to my drummer and I said, you know, I still have never had a mohawk before. Like, I don't even know why I said it. Oh. And he was just like, all right, buddy, let's do it. Let's do and it. You will went now. into the bathroom and nice. yeah, and that was that. And uh, I was unemployed at the time, so it was okay to do that. And then I think maybe three days later, I got a job interview and I had to shave my head. Shave, mm. yeah. yeah. Oh, so that was short-lived. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So it wasn't quite a year, but I'll give you credit. <laughs> but it was a time in It was, it was a, a time, time in a year. It was a time in a year. Yeah, yeah. It was time. Yeah, I don't know. I've always kind of had longer hair, like shoulder length or longer. But one year I did grow it out and then cut it off for locks of love, which oh, is yeah. kind of a girl thing. I don't know if you guys know what that I is. I know what it but, is. Sure. Um, I mean, men can do it, but you have to have at least eight inches of hair right. to donate. So I went from it being fairly long to mm -hmm. real, real short. short. Um, so, and that was pretty cute. But That's a hair event. I don't know. Yeah, we'll go with it. <laughs> We'll go with that. <laughs> that's that's a good one. I like that because yeah, that benefited like that. other people. It benefited yeah. another human. Yeah, that's a good thing. Um, you know, this 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 touches on something that we had talked about a little bit once before, Patrick, which was we were talking about bar, bar mitzvahs. Yeah, um, and it got me thinking about these kind of rituals into adulthood in the in the in the eyes of the of the church, and so. I'd be curious to know a little bit more about your, your views on that and to hear, Caitlin, what the Presbyterians have. I mean, I know there's confirmation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that um, would be pretty much the equivalent for us. So what, what, what is the theological significance of confirmation? Well, it is um, 
How we does it usually do it around like eighth or ninth grade, um, and it's when we sort of go from saying when you were a baby and you were baptized, your parents pledged to raise you in the faith, to now you're transitioning into adulthood, and it's your responsibility to kind of explore your faith yeah. and then decide as your own independent person is this something that I'm going to commit to? So confirmation is often this process of learning and studying and then um, kind of making a public statement of faith. Um, and then once you're confirmed, you're considered an adult member of the congregation. So when we have congregational votes or um, you could serve on the board. Or, um, At like 14, you could serve on the board? You could, yeah. And a lot of congregations <coughs> have youth elders so like at least one slot, slot on reserved. their board who is a young person um so you would have to be confirmed right. it could be right. you know like a high schooler and... you know what you could call them yelders <laughs> oh i like that i haven't heard that sometimes it takes an okay, outside well opinion. we're gonna do that yeah, yeah. but um yeah so it's i think it's similar to a bar bat mitzvah does it sound similar to you um yeah so so the funny thing is that bar and bat mitzvah was never really that big of a deal. Um, and it wasn't until it was brought to America that it became such a big deal. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and it was a result of suburban congregations, mm -hmm. right? So you didn't have people living in small, tight-knit communities anymore. People were more spread out. So things that were life cycle oriented became a bigger deal, right? So you had in you know, sort of older conservative synagogues, you know, a bar mitzvah was a, a boy, a, a boy is bar mitzvah and a, a girl is bat mitzvah. A boy at the time would uh, get to go up to the Torah, would have what we call an aliyah. So they're standing there, they say some prayers, and then they're given uh, tefillin, which are uh, ritual uh, prayer uh, boxes. And uh, that's it. I mean, that's, that's, you know, no big deal. It's a Saturday, you know, that's that. Um, but then it, it expanded and became a bigger and bigger mm. deal. And actually, the reform movement banned bar mitzvahs uh, in its early time and actually traded really? it for confirmation. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So they, they said, we're not going to call the age of majority 12 or 13 uh, or 11 in some cases. Yeah. What we're going to do is we're going to say that it's 16. And mm. they do it during the holiday of Shavuot, which is a um, sort of a summer uh, summer holiday where you eat ice cream. Um, traditionally uh, very traditional <laughs> it's a harvest festival that became the, the festival of eating ice cream and cheesecake and staying up all night and slamming red bull but um yeah so so and then the reform movement then changed and said okay well actually we are going to go back to bar and bat mitzvah and then some of them kept confirmation which i think was a secret way to keep people in the community longer or not so secret uh, yeah or not so secret. i, I know of some enough. congregations where they would say as a condition for getting your bar bat mitzvah, you have to commit to staying. Wow. Oh. I didn't know that. And I don't know, but the question is, right, is that do you want people in it because they had to be? Right. So yeah. That's the right. question. And that's something that, I mean, just on a personal level is important to me is that if, if things don't work, I don't have a problem throwing them away. And I think that that mm -hmm. for me is where progressive Judaism comes from is that um, Mordecai Kaplan, who's a very famous rabbi, said that the past has a vote, not a veto. Mm. Um, and so for me, it's, you know, with, with bar and bat mitzvah, it's, if you don't want to do it, fine. Okay. If you, you know, whatever I think, um, the, well, the one thing I will say is that it's with, with bar and bat mitzvah, it's the one time in Jewish life in America 
where I feel like young people and their friends gather around Judaism, Mm -hmm. which I think is a good thing. Like the fact that you are, you know, 13 years old and your friend from, you know, soccer soccer practice is having a bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, and now you're going to go and you're going to check that out and go to the party. Like I think that has a very legitimate um, power to it that I think is very, very important. What you actually do at that bar or bat mitzvah, I'm much more flexible on, but... But, uh, One yeah. thing a lot of Presbyterian churches will do during confirmation is have the students go to different interfaith services. So oh, I know snap. that as a part of my confirmation, I went to a synagogue and uh, to uh, just other Christian traditions as well, to a Greek Orthodox church, to a Catholic church. So it's that that's kind cool. of an exploration yeah. piece mm-hmm. to it that's not just exploring our specific tradition, but also learning a little bit about What was going to synagogue like? Do you remember oh, it? Oh, I, I do remember it. Um, yeah, I thought it was cool. Because it is. I liked, <laughs> I liked the Hebrew songs. Like, I guess oh, the, I I did the you melodies really? were yeah. um, inter- more interesting because they're just a different... Did you go like on a Saturday morning or a Friday night? Do you remember? I think we went on a Friday night. Yeah, yeah. Cool, interesting. Yeah. So clergy have so many tasks, right? You've got to be preachers. You've got to be pastoral counselors. You've got to be managers of a small nonprofit. You've got to manage staffs, uh, facilities, fundraising, all these things. And obviously you each have specialties in some of these areas. I'm sure you feel like you're stronger in some than others. What are, what is an, what's a, one of a task or an area that you spent too much time on? You know, when you've looked back and said, that was a mistake. Why, why, why am I spending so much time on X when really it's not that important or I could have been on something else? Wow. Okay. So this is something that we know we spend, have spent too, too much, much time, time on, on, which is, was not worth it essentially. Yeah. So it's not like, what do you spend a lot of time on? It's also... It was right. not worth it. If you spend a lot of time preparing your sermons and you think that that's a great use of your time. Sure. Right. But I'm saying, man, I spend so much time on right. fundraising, firing my ukulele player, whatever <laughs> the case may be, that you're just like, you know, as you look back on, you know, on your work and you think, well, shoot, what was I doing? Well, and let's remember that we don't edit the Rabbi Patrick podcast. Uh, no, and no. then it goes right up on the this internet, is live and this will be shared with people's congregations. Yeah. So let's I, go ahead and admit I, to our congregations I, what we do that's a waste of time. What we do that's yeah. a waste. I understand. I, I know you, Mildred. Guys I would just like to are say. not afraid of the truth. I, I I understand that. All right. Well, which uh, one of us has the? Do we arm wrestle for who has to go first? Gosh, or? Yeah, I'm not sure. Liar. What came to Liar. mind was that, and I think, Patrick, maybe we talked about this, was that um, my congregation has a church building, and one thing that I spend a lot of time on sometimes is maintenance of facilities. Not myself physically doing maintenance, right. usually, but making sure things get fixed, organizing people to come in, and right. check with the, the fire, plumber, just right. all of those pieces... That takes up a lot of time, right. the facilities. Okay. Um, and sometimes you think maybe it'd just be easier if we didn't have a building. Right. Like I didn't. <laughs> there were these three homebound congregants I wish I could have seen, but I was dealing with yeah, the HVAC. Right. Guy. Well, yeah, doing mm-hmm. 
you definitely feel like your time would be Jordan better Brothers, spent. if you're listening, we like you, HVAC people. <laughs> no, we do. But, but, uh, I have some HVAC people in my congregation yes. who I highly value. Yes. But, well done. Um, yes. Well done. Yeah, you know, it can be, the building can be a time suck. Yeah. Indeed. It can. I'm, I'm lucky because I don't have that problem. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that's that's terrific. And, you know, the only the only flip side to that, though, if it makes you feel any better, is that if you don't have a building, then the question is always, why don't you have a building? And you <laughs> right. have to sort of weirdly justify that. Um, um, so, for example, um, some pictures, we, we're going to be, there's a, an article that's about to come out um, uh, about Bonet Kodesh and mm. the photographer came and took photos and they went on ahead and wrote the captions and put the pictures up first before writing the article uh-huh. and every single one of them was captured with captioned with they don't have a building like every single one of them was like <laughs> that's and this the is, most interesting and this is, part about and this you. is the rabbi doing a coloring project they don't have a building <laughs> right like, nothing to do with the picture yeah, nothing right, right. you would yeah one sentence about and this is rabbi patrick doing a jumping exercise so they can learn jewish prayer they're doing this in his yard because they don't have a building right and it was like wow. so just yeah. letting you know when yeah. you're struggling with not with HVAC, because well, you apparently have the cabal on oh, HVAC oh, people, HVAC but people. just to yeah. know, you do have one, that one yeah. advantage. And sometimes yeah. having a building is great, and you can use it as a community space for mm-hmm. all kinds of really great things. But no, 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 no need to back no, 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 the thing that I spend a lot of time doing that is a waste of time is being a perfectionist and trying to no Mm-mm. no. Well, let me let me. That is it. like the job interview question. No, 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 no. no. Oh, oh no! I'm so hard. To my job. No, nothing <laughs> like that's not at all what I mean. Okay, okay. That's go not ahead, at all. Go ahead, that's go not ahead. all what I mean. Here's what I mean by this. Okay, so uh, the other night I was doing some online shopping and I was trying to buy stuff like I mentioned the the masks for Passover. And so I was thinking about this Passover Seder and what can we do to make it just really awesome, right? So we're going to have a chocolate fountain. Like whose Passover Seder has a chocolate fountain? Yeah. The chocolate dip matzah, that sounds fun to me. Sure. I was like, let's have a photo booth. Let's have costumes that everyone, like you could dress as an Israelite or, you know, Pharaoh or whatever, and we'll take pictures. And then I was thinking, okay, well, so now we're going to need, we need to put this on Facebook Live. So let's go on ahead. Okay, well, now that's something I need to think about. And so now you get it, right? It's all of these things of like, how do I constantly one up whatever thought that I have to make mm-hmm. it that much better? And the cool thing about doing something like a sermon where you only talk for a certain amount of time, hopefully, is you can't, there are only so many opportunities to, yeah, yeah, there's a limit. Whereas if you're planning an event for a holiday, like I can't imagine how stressful it is to try to make Christmas more awesome. Like, you know what I mean? Or like Easter, or I mean that, that. If I, you know, and Jews have a lot of holidays. But it's the same, yeah. Yeah, it's and it's and so it's the same problem, and it's this constant like, oh my god, if I had just, and then you're like thinking, I should have bought the costume, I should have mm-hmm. bought the chocolate fountain, I should have catered instead of doing potluck, yeah. or whatever, and um, 
you so know, I guess I guess like I guess I'll, like... I guess I'll give you credit for that answer. I mean, I think I mean it, it is very insightful in its own way. It, it, it is. You're a tough judge. Yeah, yeah. I know. But what I mean Beat is, me up. No, no, I'm not trying to beat you up. No, because that is very that is. So very I would say event. Well, then, to, okay, well, then yeah, back yeah, up. Yeah, event planning. Yeah. There we go. Event, event planning. There we go. That's exactly Obs- what and I was and obsessing do. about. It's event. a lot. The key event is, planning. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. Because hard. because let's face it, I'm sure there's clear that you don't do that at all and don't care about that at all. Right. And if you guys were at. Uh, you know, congregations that were much bigger, some of the people wouldn't be doing event planning at all. Right. Some of the people wouldn't be doing pastoral visits hardly right. at all. So, right. But you guys, since you're 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 wearing your own all the hats, you have right. to make those choices. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right, last question here. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, no, but I was also thinking that when you when you mentioned. If you if, if something isn't good, you're not afraid to throw it away. Yeah, I got I got to thinking. Man, so, I gotta plan my play my practice my ukulele intros a little uh, bit more next time. Uh, I did have a little hiccup there. Okay, um, I'm 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 stealing this question a little bit from Chuck Klosterman, but it is a good one. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. If you could take a pill, that would make you five percent dumber, <laughs> but people would think you were five percent smarter. Would you do it? Whoa. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking, no way. No, okay. I could could stand to to mellow out a little bit. So, you know, I I, I think get the benefits of people. But get the benefits of. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I value my intellect too much. What I if would want to keep it. What if it's the other way around, though? Think of how fun that would be, that you take a pill that makes you 5% smarter, but people think, think you're 5% dumber, <laughs> because then you could one-up everybody all the time, right? Because people would have you flying no. lower well, on the radar. It would be low expectations. If it's yeah. a repeated game, but I mean, unless they just think you're dumb and never give you... Just oh, that's just dumb, Patrick. I don't even listen to what he said. You know, and if somebody else, said but it's it, only five percent. That's a good idea. Well, I mean, if it was like thirty percent, then well, <laughs> so raise the stakes then. All right, yeah. raise the stakes. But this is where it gets tricky because what does it what does it mean to be five percent smarter, five percent dumb? Yeah, right, I right? have no idea. There's just which would you pick? Some way. Yeah. Which would I pick? Yeah, what about you? Well, I take two and a half of the one and add it on, uh, make myself seven percent dumber, but two percent. <laughs> uh, what would I do? Um... Well, what what this question, what this question gets at is it's like, do you care what people think about you versus what you know inside? Although you actually put a good spin on it, which was yeah, intelligence can be a can be a burden, <laughs> right? <laughs> which I think right. is true. There's plenty. There have been plenty of times when I was just like, man, it, life's a lot easier when you're dumb. You know? <laughs> and I don't necessarily mean all parts of life, but that was certainly an experience that I had in um, as an athlete, certainly like. Thinking is, is the worst, but just not the worst thing you can do. Right. So I definitely had that feeling, like, wishing I would be able to stop thinking. Um, I think I'd probably take the brain boost. You take the brain boost? Take the, take the brain boost. Yeah. Okay. But it's a close call. Right. Close it's, a, call. it's a darn close call. I sometimes worry about the cult of smart. Because... Yeah. I was at, okay, so I was at VCU not too long ago, and I was asked to do three lectures for um, their human spirituality class, and I was supposed to talk about Judaism. So I'm back to back to back in all of these classes. So I get to the second one, 
and there's a professor leaving the room as the other professor is coming in, and there was this water bottle that was sitting, like, on a desk, and the professor from the previous class was, like, freaking out um, about how was the best way to return the water bottle. And, like, they, they, they end up, the, yeah. the two professors end up in this conversation for a good five minutes over the ethics of water bottle return. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm glad I went to community college. Yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not. Yeah. It's not. There's, there's, some, there's some problems in academia. That's my deep thought for the night. <laughs> it works for me. Yeah. Well, I think that's about all she wrote. It's getting towards the witching hour. Thank yeah. you, guys. This was fun. Yep. Thank you for being here. Okay. Please yeah. come back. A great addition. Yeah. All right, so this is the Rabbi Patrick podcast, and um, she's a Presbyterian. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm.